0: I'm glad for my sake to hear so many other people coughing because I'm gonna be coughing I've been sick since Wednesday got my little bit of water here so uh, ask you guys to bear with me Um, feels like I got an elephant sitting on my chest so uh, I'll I I assume my my voice will make it uh, through but not all the better for you Get, get lunch early um, if you want to open your Bibles up to the passage that we read, um, that's where we'll start and really spend most of our time. We're not going to read all of Second Kings 18 uh, again, verses 17 through 35. Um, but I am going to read uh, a few verses from there as, as we cover some points. <clears throat> I saw a picture on uh, social media this past week that uh, you know, sometimes they just catch you off guard. You just laugh. I mean, out loud. You just see it and you laugh. Uh, you think it's funny. Um, this was supposedly of a, a construction area in the Denver Airport. You know, when they're putting in new stores or restaurants or whatever, there's this just wall, and it says on the wall, "Coming soon." You know, the best thing since sliced bread, or you know, whatever. Right? They're already advertising the thing they're going to open up. Well, this this was kind of funny. Um, it's, it said on the wall, it said, what's happening behind this wall? Big letters, just, what's happening behind this wall? And there's, there's three, three options, A, B, and C. A says, gargoyle breeding grounds. <laughs> B says, a top secret Freemason meeting. <laughs> and C says, an improved airport experience. And in, in, in small letters down at the bottom, says, learn the truth at denfiles.com den the the Denver airport. And I thought that really I thought it was really clever because it encapsulated a lot of the ridiculousness that is going on in our society right now um with abandoning common sense, abandoning context, right? You you'd really have to be somewhere else to think that the answer is not a. No, I'm kidding. It's C, right? <laughs> and improved airport experience is what's happening in the Denver airport. That's the whole reason for the construction. You want to make it better so you, you enjoy your time there, right? Um, but if they hadn't put anything there, you know, someone would make up some story and post it on Twitter about how there's a gargoyle breeding ground, you know, in the Denver airport, and here's the proof, right? Um, now, that, that, that's kind of a funny, you know, example, um, really, of someone poking fun at a serious problem, um, you know. So, th- this, this board, this sign, forces you to ask the question, what, what do you believe, right? In this, con- in this context, it's a very narrow scope. What do you believe is happening behind this wall? Okay, it's not very exciting. Um, but if you just ask that question in general, most of us are, you know, we're ready to go. Well, oh, I'll tell you what I believe. And we'll just go on and on and on. What do you believe about this? I'll tell you what I believe about everything. As long as you'll listen, I'll tell you, right? Well, why do you believe? You know, I think maybe we're a little more hesitant to answer that question. Sometimes, you know, there might be some eagerness there, but... We'd really rather just tell you what we believe, and not why. Um, and then another question might be, well, who do you believe? You know, people. Um, I think the answer to that question a lot of times is either going to be crickets, right? Someone's going to stand there and think, well, who do I believe? Or they're just going to start rattling off a long list of people they don't believe. Well, I don't believe this person, and I don't believe that person, and um, very reluctant or sincerely don't believe anybody around them in their lives. Um, in, in my estimation, uh, information flow right now is a mess. I mean, it is an absolute disaster. It's just a mess, it's a train wreck. And I notice it because in my job, that's what I do, right? As an engineer, I I pull data about how the paper mill is running, and I put it into information. I say, okay, the temperature is three hundred, right? That's data. Information is that's too high, right? Just telling me the temperature is three hundred isn't anything. Telling you the temperature is three hundred isn't anything. But when you put it with the design parameters of the process, and you say, oh, that temperature's actually too high. Now I have information, right? And now I can make a decision, right? Add some water, cool it down. That's just, that's what I've been doing for 20 years, right? I work off information, make decisions, and do something to make it better. Well, information in the United States or around the world or in society, I don't know how you want to classify it. It's a mess. Um, you don't know or you're told not to know, let me put it that way, if what you're hearing is disinformation, misinformation, or true information. And and there there's a difference. I mean, it doesn't really matter. Disinformation and misinformation are both false. Uh, misinformation usually comes from somebody who's ignorant, genuinely. I, I don't mean that in a Not speaking ill bad of them or their intellect, they just don't know, right? Um, and then disinformation is I know, and I'm going to say something that's the opposite. I'm going to spread something that's the opposite of what's true, right? And that's pretty malicious, and that does uh, speak to someone's character. But what you're told now is whatever whatever you hear, everything you hear has got to be taken with a grain of salt. right um, you know you either have to believe only your own senses and experiences if my eyes saw it I believe it if they didn't like I don't know where China is I don't know if China's there I've never been to China so I don't believe China's there right you can go to the extreme like that if my senses didn't experience it I'm taking it with a grain of salt it might be there and it might not be there but I haven't been there right Um, Maybe you only believe the people you know, right, that are close to you, that you know are trustworthy. You might know some untrustworthy people. Maybe you only believe the people you like, right? I don't really care if he's trustworthy. I just like him. So what he says, going with it, right? Maybe you believe the people that just agree with you. There's no true or false in the last two, It's just an emotional appeal, right? Well, I already thought this, so when I hear somebody saying it, well, it must be true. I believe that. That has to be valid. Um, You know, there's very little what you hear of believe what's true, because you can't get your hands on it. This is the story that's told. (coughs) If there's a truth it's inaccessible, it can't be known. It's too muddied up by people. So really just believe what suits you and what helps you get along in your day. Right? But I mean that's what you're being fed. That's what I'm being fed and I don't even watch that much TV or read the newspapers or I mean I just don't, it doesn't appeal to me to watch the news. But once in a while I have to see it and that's what I'm being told. Well this person said this and this said this and you get to decide what's true. Don't go find what's true, you decide. Um, it's just rampant cynicism. I mean, and I mean that like genuinely, it's rampant, it's everywhere, it's pervasive cynicism about everything. And what annoys me the most, I think, is that the cynicism is often hypocritical cynicism. Right? Like, the standard that I apply to the people I don't believe, I don't apply to the people I do believe. <laughs> well, that person I just don't like, so I'm going to be cynical. If if people said that, I'd be, I'd, I'd be cool. Like, you know what, you're genuine. You, that, that's, but the people don't say that. People say, you know, I don't believe this thing, or I don't believe what I'm hearing, or I don't believe that because and then you know launch into some half hour convoluted conversation about how you know one time there was this dime glued to a sidewalk and I couldn't pick it up and so I was tricked and so I'm not <laughs> going to believe this person for that reason but this whole other population of people I don't apply that 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 standard to at all because I would never be tricked by these people agree with me. Or I like them. Right? None of this would affect a Christian, right? I mean, shouldn't. None of this would affect God's people, would it? You don't think? So are we in some kind of crisis? I mean, you know... Me, working on everything in my life and my job, right, works around information and it's like, okay, once you don't trust the information in the paper mill where I work, it is kind of a crisis. Like, you gotta spend money now, get the instruments fixed now because we don't know if the product we're making is any good. And it's gonna take days or weeks for it to get to the customer for them to ship it back to us and find out it didn't meet any spec. And we're gonna pay for that, we're gonna pay for the shipping, we're gonna pay for free product to them it is a crisis, in that in, in, in my job. Well, is it a crisis for a Christian in society, when this kind of thing happens? And that's why I wanted to read this passage in Second Kings. So for, for me, there's something really interesting going on here when the Assyrians pull up to the, the front door. And you know, we, we didn't read it, but Hezekiah had already tried to pay them off. He stripped the temple of everything it had the gold, the silver, he sent all of it. He said, look, don't attack us. I'll give you everything I got. Sent it to him. Very next verse is like, and they showed up at Jerusalem's doorstep. And asking like, what's your? where's this confidence you have? Basically, you know, why aren't your doors wide open to invite us in? Um, look, in uh, look in verse 22, right? We're not, like I said, we're not going to read this whole thing again. But the setting is Assyria is sitting out there there are people up on the wall looking at this. They see it happening. Hezekiah sent his officials to interface with these, these guys, apparently at some distance because they're speaking loud enough right, for to be heard on the wall. Look in verse 22. But if you say to me, right, this is the, the Rabshakeh, if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, is it not he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away? and has said to Judah and to Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar in Jerusalem. Now, we might find that odd, right? But think about this Assyrian, right? He's he's coming to Judah, and the king has been taking down all these high places that have been there for, I think when I did the math, it was like something like 209 years was when the the, the worship at high places had started right so think about the age of the united states right something's been going on spiritually that long and now this king starts tearing them all down the assyrians walk up and they say hey you you're telling me you're going to trust in jehovah yahweh that's your god and you're tearing down all his high places right well you know behind the scenes like we kind of have this look at the law that the assyrians don't have is that I shouldn't have been there in the first place. So to us, it might seem odd that he's using that as sort of this propaganda tool. But in the setting, it's not odd. These people, probably, well, because they're Jews and they keep their lineage, I was going to say they probably can't remember any ancestors who didn't worship at the high places. But they have a list. I mean, they go back. But 200 years is a long time. So he's using this as propaganda, saying, hey, you don't really trust in Yahweh. You're tearing down all his high places. You think he's going to be happy about that? Right, well, Hezekiah and those who did it would say, yeah, he will be happy about that. But the people? The people may not have that understanding. So what is he, what is he doing? He's throwing, out, he's throwing out, I would call this misinformation. I don't think he's so versed in the law that he knows the high places shouldn't be there. I think he genuinely thinks the high places should be there and you guys are crazy. I don't know what you're doing, but you're making your God angry. So he starts shouting that to the people. It's false. God doesn't want those high places there, but he's using it. Look in verse 25 also. Verse 25, still speaking. Have I now come up without Jehovah's approval? against this place to destroy it? Jehovah said to me, go up against this land and destroy it. Now, I'm going to start out by saying this is disinformation because in the very next chapter, when Hezekiah talks to Isaiah, Isaiah is like, no. He, he, he's, he's not going to come into Jerusalem. And in the following chapter, 185,000 Assyrians are, are killed by a single angel who enters the camp. So it's not in this context that we really know, well, you know, did God really send him up? Because God does that. God sent the Assyrians to take out Samaria. They've done that. This is Judah. Judah's left behind. Samaria, they're gone. So this would, this would sound legit well, you know what? Samaria's gone. Maybe God did do this. So here's, he's just just flat out lying, right? With a purpose. These people believe it. I'll get something, right? They won't fight. Maybe they'll open the doors. We studied Jeremiah not long ago. You guys remember in Jeremiah's time, what was the message? go out to Nebuchadnezzar because I have sent him. Right? Now that's, that's, that's later than this, right? So, I mean, these people don't have any memory of Jeremiah because that hasn't happened yet. But my point being, that's not something that God would not do. So, I, and, and what I'm, I'm going through these, what I want you to do is put yourself in the place of those people who are sitting up on the wall listening to this, seeing this exchange. Chatting amongst themselves, and saying, "Hey, did you hear that? Jehovah told this guy to come raise Jerusalem, or at least that's what he says." They couldn't get on Twitter and find out. <laughs> Snopes or what Snope, whatever that site is, Snopes. Snopes. There's no, there's no Judah Snopes. Like, oh, yeah. This guy doesn't exist. Look in verses 26 through 32. This is a little bit longer, and I do want to read this as one, one section. <clears throat> Verse twenty-six, Second Kings 18. Then Eliakim the son of Hilkiah and Shebna and Joah said to Rabshakeh, Speak now to your servants in Aramaic, for we understand it. And do not speak with us in Judean in the hearing of the people who are on the wall. But Rabshakeh said to them, Has my master sent me only to your master and to you to speak these words, and not to the men who sit on the wall, doomed to eat their own dung and drink their own urine with you? Then Rabshakeh stood and cried with a loud voice in Judean, saying, Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, Do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he will not be able to deliver you from my hand, nor let Hezekiah make you trust in Jehovah, saying, Jehovah will surely deliver us, and this city will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria Make your peace with me, come out to me, and, and eat each of his vine, each of his fig tree, and drink each of the waters of his own cistern, until I come and take you away to a land like your own land a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive trees and honey, that you may live and not die. But do not listen to Hezekiah when he misleads you saying, Jehovah will deliver us. At least four or five times in there, he's just directly attacking Hezekiah, his credibility. Don't listen to Hezekiah. Don't listen to him when he tells you this. Don't listen to him when he tells you this. Don't let him deceive you, right? Basically stating that what you're hearing from Hezekiah is actually a lie. Hezekiah is lying to you. If you believe what Hezekiah is saying to you, you're believing a lie. I mean, hello, this—that's like 2018 United States right there, people. The people who have the power are yelling at each other that they're each liars and they're each wrong. And these people are sitting on the wall listening to it. It's being spoken in their language for a reason. Could have been spoken in Aramaic. Like, that doesn't do me any good. (laughs) Why would I speak it in a language that people don't understand, right? So what's being spoken to us in twenty eighteen, languages that we understand, right? I don't mean we as Christians, right? I mean we as humans, right? It appeals to our flesh, it appeals to our pride. It appeals to our sense of revenge or vengeance or justice or whatever. We understand it. It resonates with the flesh. Well, that's why they spoke in that language there. One more passage here. Look in verses 33 to 35. Has any one of the gods of the nations delivered his land from the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharvaim, Henna, and Iva? Have they delivered Samaria from my hand? Who among all the gods of the lands have delivered their land from my hand, that Jehovah should deliver Jerusalem from my hand? <laughs> I mean, I laugh because now we see, even here, right? What is this, this is like 8th century BC. I mean, we're talking 2800 years ago, right? 2700 years ago, whatever. People are still just uh, completely corrupt. What did he just get through saying? Oh, Jehovah sent me. Now what does he say here? Jehovah can't save you. Do, do, you, do you see that? I mean, I think when you kind of condense the, the things that this guy's saying and his different tactics, right, into the, as short as I've read them, it's easier to see, right, that really what he's trying to do is he's trying to hit whatever person, right, is afraid that maybe Jehovah's weak. Well, the last one would hit that person in the heart. Oh, Jehovah's weak. Samaria felt, right? It would just create this snowball effect. And what he said before was, was supposed to resonate with somebody else. Jehovah sent me, right? This person would never think Jehovah's weak. This person would think Jerusalem is corrupt and needs to be destroyed. And yeah, Jehovah sent him. And it creates a completely different snowball for this other person. All of them based off of falsehood. What's happening today is not new. And it has happened to God's people before. This is this is Jerusalem. I mean, we didn't read it, but look 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 back earlier in chapter 18. Let me get over there real quick. <clears throat> I mean, Hezekiah is amazing. Uh 2 Kings 18 Verse uh, verse 3. He did right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father David had done. That doesn't sound really sparkling, but most of the other kings that were considered good kings, it will say, he did right in the sight of the Lord, except he didn't follow all the things that David had done. Look in verse 4. He removed the high places and broke down the sacred pillars, cut down the Asherah. These are things that that other kings didn't do. They wouldn't remove the high places. Those were the exceptions. This king gave him his heart fully to do the will of the Lord, except he didn't remove the high places, right? I mean, that's just repeated over and over and over and over and over. Look in verse 5. He trusted in the Lord. He trusted in Jehovah, the God of Israel, so that after him there was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor among those who were before him. This is happening to a legit man of God. It's not like, well, we, we just live in a bad time and really no one's sincere and no one's genuine. And so, you know, it, it's, this happens even when there's good leadership among God's people. When God has made promises to his, these these things This disinformation, misinformation, this still happens, right? And my concern for God's people is not if they're hearing incorrect facts. It's the fundamental question of, do I trust Jehovah? Now, if you ask these people on the wall, right, the people who think Jehovah's weak, they say, yeah, I trust him, but he's weak. Look what happened to Samaria. Proof. Jehovah's weak. You ask the people who, who think, well, you know what, Jehovah's not weak, but this is, this is from him, right? Do you trust Jehovah? What will they say? Yes, I trust Jehovah. This city's about to get what it deserves. Right? Let's go. The, the, the answer will always be, and you, you ask the, those of us here, right, do we, do we trust God? Do we trust Jehovah? Do we trust Jesus? The reason you're here is you've got some level of trust. Right? You'll start out your answer, yes. The problem is the but that comes after that. If there's a but that comes after that, it's because somebody fed you something that's untrue and you latched onto it. Did these people latch on to it? I didn't even put this in my reading, but I was so impacted by this. Look at the very end of the chapter. Look in verse 36. I love this. The people were silent and answered him not a word. Why? For the king's commandment was, do not answer him. These people were caught in the crossfire of bad information, lies, disinformation, misinformation. But they had put their trust in someone who was following God's word. If you, if you look back... In, yeah, verse 6. Go back to... I, I know I keep bouncing, but at least it's all in chapter 18, right? <laughs> I could be bouncing all over the Bible. Okay, look in verse 6. This is, this is also said of Hezekiah. For he clung to Jehovah. He did not depart from following him. Well, how do you define a man who cl- clings to God? Look. He kept his commandments. Which the Lord, which Jehovah had commanded Moses. That's how you define a man of God. That you would put your trust in and say, oh, when he says don't answer them a word... I'm gonna listen to that king because of this. Now. You and me. What in the world, what does this have to do with us? The disinformation and the misinformation just going through the airwaves all over the place is not the issue. The issue is the effect that it has on the Christian. You start to say, well, you know what? I can't really believe anything in the news. Can I really believe what I hear from the Word? Can I really restrict truth to God's word I mean I can't do that in the rest of my life I have to hear everything everybody says and distill out what I think is true when I've heard it all Maybe I got to do that spiritually That's a dangerous effect A dangerous effect. Um, this isn't a hypothetical exercise. Um, we're, we're in this position right now. We're being told that there isn't a source that you can believe every day. and Satan isn't going to show up in your face and say, "Don't trust the Bible." I mean he's been working on this for thousands of years people he knows what he's doing. He's going to show up in your ear and say, don't trust this person. And then you're going to turn your gaze and He's going to say, yeah, don't trust that person either. And He's going to cultivate in you the sense that, well, okay, really there's nothing to trust. So here's, here's some examples. Uh, people on TV or in your life Maybe in this room, I don't know. I haven't heard anyone say these things to me, right? But that doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Um, in some way, right, you get the message, it's not enough to, just be, to be just a Christian. It's not enough. You also have to be an American. One example. I hear that message all the time. I hear it preached. It's not it's not enough to be a Christian. You have to be or you have to support some member of some political party. I hear that preached. That is just, that's asinine garbage is what that is. If you are tempted by such ideas, my encouragement to you is disengage. not from the Bible, not from church, not from worship, but disengage from anything that's patriotic, disengage from anything that's political. If you think or you're tempted to think you can't be just a Christian and be acceptable, disengage. Every, I mean everything. Let it go. And it will shock you that a week later, you're still a Christian. I hope. That kind of disengagement should strengthen your faith if that's a temptation for you. It's never been a temptation for me. I vote for myself for president. I write my own amen. (laughs) Because I'm better than anyone else on the ticket. My conscience is clear, right? I mean, that kind of thing isn't a temptation for me to go down that path. But there are people, there are friends, there are brethren in my life that it is a temptation. And the kind of, the pattern of disinformation and misinformation that's going on is affecting their faith. Another example, you have you can't be just a Christian, you have to be college educated. That's not preached, but it's taught. It's taught. I have seen Christian parents abandon gatherings of the church because they're trying to prep their kid to go to scholarship. I've seen it firsthand in baseball, in basketball, in scholastics competitions. We have to go to this competition. This has to be on his resume. It's not good enough for him to be just a Christian, he's got to be college educated. That is garbage. garbage. I can't go through all the examples of this stuff. I'm trying to show you guys some examples of what I've seen. And it's not that you're being told these things to your face. What is happening is there's a background noise that says you can't put your faith in one single thing. You've got to spread it around. And we do that in our investing, and that's great. And we do that in our our job, right? We create networks with people, and that's all great. And then we start doing it spiritually, and these things start costing us spiritually. And we don't see it until one of those legs, right? We've propped ourselves up, and our spirituality is one leg on this this three leg stool, and the leg gets knocked out. Right? I, I break a leg, and I can't play football anymore. I'm not saying playing football is bad. I'm saying if that leg is bearing equivalent spiritual weight of your faith as being a Christian, you got a problem. If there's any leg in your life that's bearing the similar weight as being a Christian, you have a problem. But you're being told one leg's not enough. There's a, like I said, there's all kinds you have to have a home. you got to own a home. You've got to be married. In fact, now I'm starting to hear some people say, "Well, you've got to be single. You really can't serve God as a married person." And it's, be, it's natural because now there's so many people waiting until they're 35, 40 before they're getting married, so there's this bulge of single people, So what, what's the narrative you're going to hear? Well, really, it's better to be single. That's garbage. it was good in Paul's day and he said so because of persecution people we are not persecuted here like Paul was persecuted right? so I mean all this stuff about you got to be married you got to have kids you got to be single that's more of these examples of people saying it's not good enough to be just a Christian turn over to Isaiah chapter 5 turn over to Isaiah chapter 5 Isaiah 5 verse 20 is a Well, I don't want to say popular, but I I would say well-known. I think it's a relatively well-known verse. Verse 20 is, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. When I read that last phrase, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter, I think of all you people who drink black coffee (laughs) (laughs) and say you like it. No, I'm I'm messing with you. (laughs) Because... To your defense, you never really say it's sweet; you just say it's good. So, so I, I don't think this applies to you. Um, no, but but, right. Think about what's going on here. Just verse twenty, and then we'll read some of the context. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Do you think that's going on today? Even if, even if. You don't know the absolute truth of the things that people are saying. Because lies are being told, good is being called evil and evil good. Woe to those people. Well, the question is, what role are you playing in participating in that? Why would you hold up someone who God says to woe to you? Why would you hold that person up? And I'm not talking about like you've got to honor your government officials. You do have to honor them. But I'm not talking about honor. I'm talking about worship. Why would you run to the defense of somebody and defend them like they're your savior when God says woe to that person? Now, when it comes time to honor those who rule, you honor them because we're Christians not because they deserve it but because God says they should receive it we don't deserve salvation it's not about deserving right but we need to be careful about crossing the line from honor to worship honor to defense but let's read this in context Isaiah chapter 5, verses 18 through 23. Woe to those who drag iniquity with the cords of falsehood, and sin as if with cart ropes, who say, let him make speed, let him hasten his work that we may see it, and let the purpose of the Holy One of Israel draw near and come to pass that we may know it. I want to to pause there for a second. That very first verse the image. I Woe to those who drag iniquity with the iniquity with the cords of falsehood. Right. Think about this. Right. You got these cords. You got this weight. They're just they're walking down the road and they're dragging it. You see somebody putting in that kind of effort and that kind of work. It should tell you what they're doing and what they're towing. What they're it's valuable. It's worth the work. It's worth the effort. Well, if what they're dragging behind them is iniquity and sin, just the act of them doing it is telling a lie. So it's easy to go and diagnose other people and say, yeah, they're doing that. What are we doing? Do we walk up beside them and grab a cord and throw it over our shoulder and say, yeah, let's walk together? I'll, I'll help you drag your iniquity with these cords of falsehood down the road. Are we doing that? Not as a group. I mean, why? we got to ask that question of ourselves. <clears throat> Moving on. Get, again, verse 20. <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry. The, the, the second part of that, right? This, this accusation against God. Well, he needs to hurry up. If you tell me this is sin and this is iniquity and and what I'm doing is false, he just needs to hurry up and make it plain. I don't have time. Look. Let the purpose of the Holy One of Israel draw near and come to pass that we may know it. He's going to work on my time or I'm going to drag what I want to drag behind me. All right, verse 20. As we read, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. I think it fits into that context, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Woe to those who are heroes in drinking wine and valiant men in mixing strong drink, who justify the wicked for a bribe and take away the rights of the ones who are in the right. You guys know I'm not super interested in in taking text from the Bible and going out and diagnosing people in the world. It's not what it was written for. It was written to be read with a mirror in front of you. And say, okay, you know what? Am I justifying the wicked for a bribe? Let that sink in for a little bit. What are the people around you on TV or whatever bribing you with? What are they offering you? You willing to justify them for that bribe? Are you willing to say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I'm also this? We need to be careful, people, that just because we don't do as much bribery or we don't do as much iniquity, that we don't just step alongside people who are doing the same thing because we've been told, pick a side or you're going to get left behind. God has said that. And if you're a Christian, you've chosen His side. That's the end of the matter. There's not another side to choose. My goal in saying this is because I feel very protective of you guys. And I can't protect you. (laughs) Like, I don't feel like a father... I feel like a brother, I, but I can't go out there and say, oh, look at this, this is garbage. You know, I can't be sitting next to you every day, and you wouldn't want that anyway. <laughs> because I would be like, oh, yeah, no, right? <clears throat> so I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm covering all of this ground, but the principle that I'm trying to get across is this principle that you can be just a Christian. And you should be, right, defining your life as just a Christian, defining who you are as just a Christian. That does not mean you can't go vote. Like I said, I go vote. I just vote for me. And I would welcome you all to vote for me. <laughs> right. I, My, my encouragement is when you hear these ideas or you feel these ideas come into the forefront that say you know what you gotta add something to this Christianity thing because that's not enough that's a lie that's a lie when you go vote vote as a Christian whoever you vote for just vote as a Christian when you go to school right we've got some guys who are getting college educations here I got a college education. I'm not sorry for that. But get educated as a Christian. Married, single, having kids, right? It shouldn't be approached from the pers- any other perspective other than I am a Christian and something else. No. Okay. That's... That's the end of my, my lesson. That's all I wanted to say about that. Well, it's not all I wanted to say. That's all I'm going to say about that because it's been forever. <clears throat> this has been bugging me for a long time, so I'm glad you guys let me get it off my chest. I hope it was useful. I hope it was helpful. Not to go point out other people that are struggling with this, but to diagnose yourself and maybe help somebody who's struggling with this. Um, Blake's going to sing a song, and we call it a song of encouragement. We call it a song of invitation. The point of the song at the end of the lesson is to give you some time to reflect on what you've seen in God's Word, not necessarily what I've said, but what you've seen in God's Word as we've looked into it together. And if there's something you need to do to improve or even establish your relationship with God, as we've said before, you shouldn't leave here if you're confused about your relationship with him. You should talk to someone here if you're worried about that. So invite you to do that as well, stand and sing.